Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R. from California, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, December 30th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 18, the second paragraph. The reference number for Tuesday, December 29th, is 8303. Today's readers are Amy G., Penny C., and Lynn S., OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rocky E. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Vision for You family. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, this is Rocky E. from New York. The 12 steps. One, we admit we are powerless over alcohol, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, probably admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve conscious contact with God as we understand him praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Rocky E. And I will now ask Stacy T. to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning. This is Stacy T. calling from Cleveland. Thanks for your service. The Twelve Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God that seemingly express himself in their group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, 
an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Stacey T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book, and we are on page 18, paragraph 2. I will now ask Amy G. to begin reading. Good morning, Julie. Thank you for your service. Good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. We hope this volume will inform and comfort those who are or who may be affected. There are many. Highly competent psychiatrists who have dealt with us have found it sometimes impossible to persuade an alcoholic to discuss his situation without reserve. Strangely enough, wives, parents, and intimate friends usually find us even more approachable than do those than do the psychiatric and the doctor. But the ex-problem drinker who has found this solution, who is properly armed with facts about himself, can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. Well, I like to think that when they put the uh, words in italics in this last paragraph here where I'm going to drill down, means like, heads up, you know, everybody, let's take a look. This is a really important, um, you know, important few words here. And I, I, in my humble opinion, agree. I mean, what is this program about? It's about carrying the message. Our primary purpose is to carry the message to the still-suffering alcoholic and or compulsive overeater. And for those of us who have recovered, we understand what that means for our own recovery as well, that we have to give it in order to keep it. And, and, and we just read Bill's story, and why is it that Ebby has such an impact on, Will, on Bill, and even to the point where he it, it started this whole process and this whole program, is because he was an ex-problem drinker. He had been there. 
he had experienced it. I mean, we talk about recovery and this and this solution. This was not a theory. This was something that they experienced, they lived it, they took action on it, and they gave it away. And that's what we do today. I mean, why are we here on the line Monday through Friday and Sunday mornings? I mean, repetition is the father of learning. I can say for myself, um, the only way that I was going to understand and be able to even surrender was to was to be able to understand what other people were telling me who had been there and who told me what the solution was, but also what the problem was, the hopelessness of the problem. As an ex-problem compulsive overeater, it's in there. I can, I can tell you the experience, and I can tell you when I walked into my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting and I heard people talking about food uh, in, and acting in food ways that I thought only myself had ever done. It's called identifying in and then understanding the nature of this disease, the deadly, cunning, and baffling nature of this disease, the twofold nature of the disease. The fact that I had a physical allergy and a mental obsession, and the greater aspect being the mental obsession. I mean, how am I going to fix a problem if I don't know what the problem is? I can't move forward to the solution. And in this case, I had to first admit my powerlessness. I had to understand, and I could do that when I heard another person who had been there. I related. I understood. I was willing to listen. It was the same with Bill, with Evie. He was able to communicate to Bill because he had been there. He knew what it was like, and more importantly, he was on the other side. And this is why we are on the phone today expressing the hope that this solution, these 164 pages, these 12 steps, have for the still-suffering compulsive overeater. And until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. I spent years trying to fix this problem on my own, not even understanding what the problem was. I thought food was the problem. Turns out the problem was me and food was the answer. I had a mental obsession and a physical allergy. I had to grasp that and I was able to hear it from someone who had been there. And by the grace of God in this program, the solution is here. This is great hope, folks. This is great hope. The solution is here. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. Charles H. from New York. And Katie G. from Boston. Okay, hold on. I was going to say, who would like to share on these three paragraphs? So, Charles, I have Kim G. um, No, I don't have Kim G. I have Katie from Boston. Lisa R. Sally, I heard you, but you're a little bit lower. Oh, Kim G. I have Kim G. Vanessa R. Vanessa was before. Okay, so we're going to start with Charles, Katie G., Lisa, Kim G., Nessa, and Sally, and then we'll come back. Go ahead, Charles. Charles, you're first. Yeah, um, I apologize. Thank you, Julie, for your service, Charles A., for a colored visionary just for today. Um, yeah, traffic jam, man, when you get to these certain parts of this big book, um, you know, um, it ain't it something to have a head full of knowledge and a, and a belly full of food. You know, uh, this, there is a solution. We We understand that, and we understand that it's a daily reprieve, and we understand that in order to keep it, we must try to give it away. And uh, 
you know, um, just every single day. We we got This is something we have to do every single day in order to keep what 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 little we have. And this little is powerful. It's a daily reprieve, a sentence. Uh, suspended on a daily basis, contingent on our spiritual conditioning, right? And, you know, we who have traveled this world before learned from the ones that went before us that we need to continue. It says it right in the doctor's opinion so many times. Unless a psychic change happens, a psychic change is me wanting to get up 7 in the morning and, 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 and working with somebody else. And I tell you, you know, we don't know who's going to get it. And, and 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 I've been having conversations with people, quote unquote. God ain't gonna tell you. God ain't gonna get the food out your mouth, and and the devil ain't gonna force you to eat it. No, you, me, Charles H. You are responsible for that. You have to put it down. You know. Um. And you know, we don't know who's gonna get this. We don't have the power for anybody to get this solution. We can pray, which is an action. We can pray, and 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 meditation also because. You know, as a, as a beautiful visionary once said to me on the line, a wise person said, praying without action is begging. I ain't trying to beg higher power today. I'm trying to unleash that access by going through this program of action every day. I'm talking about getting gut-wrenched naked in my mind and letting you know what's going on. Because you know what? Too much time, yeah, everything is all right. No, that's not the solution, man. And this ain't no New Year's resolution either. So just go ahead with that. We do this every single day. Um, and, and that's the understanding that I take from this, that we must try to give it to someone that wants it. You know, if you don't want it, it's all right. But I ain't going to kill nobody and say it's all right to go back to the food, keep coming back, it works if you work it. No, we've got to put the food down first and be open for the program of action. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles. And I want to let everybody know we'll all have a chance to share. And after we get through this list, we'll open it up again. Katie G., you're next. Hi, Julie. Can you hear me? <clears throat> yes, I can. Great. Let me just start my timer. Hi, this is TDT, Compulsible Reader, Anarchic and Bulimic. Um, I love this. So I just want to share a little story about um, the ex-problem drinker. So um, I had done the steps, and um, I was doing my step 10 during the day and step 11 at night, and when I looked at dishonest every day, it was like, Katie, you're leaving work. Katie, you're exercising addictively. Katie, like, you're going to change. And I kept on trying to change you guys every single day. And I would, I would like, try and say it to people. I would try and talk about it. Um, but I wasn't able to find somebody, um, you know, I wasn't able to, excuse me, open my ears um, to an ex-problem um, exercise bulimic who could, who had my number, right, who was entirely, um, she had the facts about herself. And let me tell you guys, when I was willing, when I heard her, I was like, oh, my God, my butt's on fire and I want to die and tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do because I had experienced the ravages of compulsive overeating. I had done the steps. I was maintaining an abstinence, and I was dying in the room because I was being dishonest, and I couldn't let it go. Like, um, when I was growing up, food was always my magic thought. It was like, okay, my parents are getting divorced, but I'm going to binge my brains out, right? And without me knowing it, I had filled up again on self and exercised with my happy thoughts. 
And this woman said to me, Katie, you can't do this. You need, you know, this weight and measured um, a plan of um, exercise and whatnot. And, the only, and she has my number, and it is frightening how much she has my number. And it's amazing, right? It's this magic me too factor, right? And now I have, I continue to have women in my life who understand the exact nature of my disease. It's like, um, and she could have, she had my confidence right away, right? Because she knew it wasn't about the body weight. She knew it wasn't about the exercise. It was my unwillingness to let go of the control within the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, within the rooms of 12 Step, within the rooms of sponsorship and vision for you and everything else, I fell back up on self. And praise God, you guys, there's a magic me too factor that no doctor, no psychiatrist, my parents brought the emotional appeal, my boyfriend saying, hey, why don't you just stop exercising? They couldn't, they didn't get my attention until these women said to me, yeah, Katie, I've been there. I've been so obsessed with my body and myself that I have stolen from jobs, stolen from relationships. And you know what, guys? Thank you, God. I am not there today. And um, it is an amazing, amazing factor that our greatest problem becomes our greatest um, asset. And I am eternally grateful. And with that, I pass. Thank you, KG. And Lisa, I did not get your last name, but you're next. Lisa R. Hmm. All right. How about Kim G? Oh, good morning, Julie. I've had to run back to my phone here. Um, good morning, all. My name is Kim J, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. But the ex-problem drinker who has found this solution, I, I want to concentrate on that. We're talking about being properly armed about the facts about ourselves. But I think it's so important that we have to find someone, the ex-problem drinker, the one who's found that solution about themselves. You know, um, and why is that? Because it says little or nothing can be accomplished until that point. So I'm just going to talk from my own experience because not only did I have to be honest about my personal experience, but what is, what is my experience with Overeaters Anonymous? If we don't acknowledge the problems within the rooms, the problems are going to continue. So for me personally, my first OA meeting that I went to, the speaker was an incest survivor. There were three newcomers. The other two had sexual abuse. The entire meeting was about sexual abuse. And I walked away from there saying, well, I, apparently I shouldn't have this problem because my father loved me. And I didn't come back to OA for, for six months until the food beat me in. I said, I got to give this another shot. So think about, you know, are, is our meetings properly presenting the problem and properly presenting the solution? Because my experience is most of the meetings I went to was if you walked in 10 minutes late, you wouldn't even know the 12-step program. You would have thought it was marriage counseling or parenting counseling. You know, but in my area, unfortunately, very few meetings even have an abstinence requirement. So how can someone be presenting the solution if they're currently in the problem? So if I'm dying of this disease, I need to pursue the solution with everything I have. Once again, my experience is that for 17 years, what I did is I thought food and weight was my problem. Therefore, I put the food down. I thought the food. I thought the food was the sponsors and a food plan and phone calls and meetings, but my focus was always on the food. When I met someone, when I met a meeting that really shouted the good news that there was a solution, 
what I did is I put the food down and I faced the solution with everything I had and I pursued that. And my experience is the food naturally went into the background. So if you, I, I, I admit, I, I, we have to admit our recovery rate is low in Overeaters Anonymous. But if my life depends on carrying this message, my God, this is fertile ground. I have the opportunity every day to, to avert misery and death for someone because I have found a solution. So for people who go to Vision for You and are, are, are so jazzed up on it and stop going to their face-to-face meetings, I understand that because you have to pursue the solution. If you're not recovered, point people to meetings, Vision for You, local meetings, other phone meetings that are founding that properly arm with the facts about themselves with the problem and the solution. Point people towards that. But when you get this message, when you become one of those ex-problem drinkers, don't hide in the vision for you in those solution-based meetings. Please go out into the sick meetings. Spread the good news that there is a solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And Nessa R. Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. for me, the, the word that speaks the most in this uh, reading is understanding um, because, you know, everything that my, my husband said to me, my children, my sister, my friends, my doctor, my therapist, you know, my father, everything that they said about my weight and the consequences and all that went in one ear and out the other. You know, it was all frothy emotional appeal. You know, they were very well intended people. Uh, their arguments made a lot, a lot of sense intellectually. But I could always say to them outright or think to myself, but you don't understand. You don't understand. And that's what another compulsive overeater has over all these people, all these professionals, is understanding. You know, a compulsive overeater um, knows, has felt how I felt, has thought, thinks the way I think, has done the things with food that I've done, has been to the, the depths that I've been, the, the places that I've been. They understand and are recovered compulsive overeater. In addition to having all those things, has the recovery to say, to show me, you know, I am just like you and I understand and I have recovered. And if I have done this, then you can too. And that is the message that as a recovered compulsive overeater uh, we carry is that, you know, I've done the same things you've done, you know, maybe with just slight variations. But I understand what it is like to be you. You understand what it's like to be me. It's that identification, but there's further identification than that. And it's that if you've recovered, I can recover. If I recovered, you can recover. All that we need to do is do what those who have recovered have done, just follow in the footsteps, which for me um, means put the foot down honestly, uh, rigorously, diligently, and then with the same honesty, rigor, and diligence, work the steps that are outlined in this book. And that is a message that carries depth and weight because because of that understanding, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. and Sally A. Thank you, Julie. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. 
So I want to um, speak to these, these sentences here. Strangely enough, wives, parents, intimate friends usually find us even more unapproachable than do the psychiatrist and the doctor. So what are they saying to us here? I, I, in my own book, I've written the words, give me a stranger. Amazing. Give me a total stranger who gets me. Because I've already heard my family try to shame me and guilt me and reason with me that this is insane um, from, from the perspective of how is it possible that you keep gaining weight? You never eat because I was doing it all in secret so nobody was seeing me do it. Um, for, to the other extreme of having them in my face right in the middle of the holiday say, you can't afford to do that. You can't afford to bend. You can't afford to gain any more weight because they saw me growing to ballooning to such a huge size. So strangely enough, wives, parents, intimate friends, psychiatrists, doctors, none of these people could approach me because they already had a million times and it didn't work. But give me a stranger. It says the ex-problem drinker who has found this solution, who is properly armed with facts about himself, not opinions, can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. It tells me that again on the bottom of 89. It says ministers and doctors are competent, and you can learn much from them if you wish. But it happens that because of your own drinking experience, you can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics. I can be uniquely useful. On the next page, on the bottom of 90, 90, page 90, it says, if he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. You should be described to him as one of the fellowship who, as part of their own recovery, try to help others and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. So we are uniquely qualified to help people who have what we have. It's just, it's just amazing to me that we have this gift that we can go to complete strangers. We answer, I answer the phone all the time to complete strangers, and I can speak to them from my heart and tell them, yes, you can become recovered. Follow the path that we are given here. It's so clear-cut. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally. And Vasa O, you're next. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Julie R., for your service, and I'm grateful to recover compulsive reader calling from Florida. And, oh, my goodness, this is beautiful, this paragraph. But the ex-problem drinker who has found his solution, who is properly armed with facts about himself, can generally win the entire conference of another alcoholic in a few hours. And that was my story. I came with a desperation in the program, and uh, she won my confidence. She was my Abby at that time, had been in program for a couple of years, and, um, yeah, I wanted to have what she had at that time, and I just welcomed the, the solution. I had never heard better news ever before, how to, you know, how this program worked and how to put the food down. And, again, for me, it started with the food, and uh, just going to meetings and listening to other people, 
you know, what they did, uh, what was working for them. And I just hung around with those kind of people. I mean, at meetings, you know, like these people that are still in the food and they're leading meeting, meetings, you know. And I don't judge them. I just, you know, well, thank God that I'm not where they are, you know. And I am looking for 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 the growth, the maturity, the changes um, the, that God, you know, the program has provided me with the 12 steps as I go along. My kids are very respectful doing what I'm doing, and they've, you know, like when there's parties and stuff, they want to make sure what they have what I need. A lot of times I just say, you know, just take care of yourself, and I'll be okay. I'll take care of myself. My husband goes along, you know, he, whatever, you know, whatever. He doesn't understand, but I, he goes along with me. So no, no doctor, no psychiatrist could have uh, helped me, and this was the only place I could go that people finally understood and I understood about the food addiction. So this is the solution. I'm so grateful I have found the solution, and we give it away. Years ago, I remember a person said, oh, that doesn't work. Oh, it doesn't work. My friend was in it. it. Well, she never worked it, you know, and look at me, you know. You know, I've been doing this for years, but again, I was not going to get into it. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And who else would like to share on these paragraphs? Larry. Barbara Larry. B. Rachel W. Mary Barbara. B. Linda R. Linda R. Mary B. Melissa C. Okay, who was after Mary B.? Linda R. Linda R. Suzanne K. Suzanne K. And Rakesset, I heard. Okay, so let's start with... Melissa C. Okay, let's start with... Larry, and then Barbara, and then Rachel. Okay, Larry, go ahead. Good morning. Hi, this is uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. You know, I, 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 love, um, I love the paragraph on uh, squiggly lines there. You know, the ex-problem drinker has found the solution. You know, this guy um, that, that cracked open the big book with me and, and talked to me early on, um, uh, he, he was armed with uh, certain facts about himself. Um, he wasn't uh, a colleague of mine, you know, in the, in the, in the field of psychology. He was, uh, you know, but he, he understood. Uh, how did I know that he understood? Well, he was talking my language. See, he used to, he did some things that I was currently doing. Um, he, uh, you know, he would pull behind, uh, drive his car, uh, he talked about behind uh, a grocery store, you know, where you see the, <laughs> you know, you see the seagulls or, or you know, uh, and, and, and the garbage dumpsters, but not much else, um, it, you know, because that was the type of isolation that, uh, that I needed in order to feel comfortable as I binge my brains out in my car. Um, he talked about eating football fields of pizza. I understood exactly what he meant when he talked about that. You know, he really laid out uh, the problem. He didn't so much focus on the solution at that point. He just was speaking my language, you know. Uh, He was armed with some facts about himself. And, uh, you know, that window of, of, um, you know, distrust and skepticism began to, to come down. And the reason it came down was because, holy cow, man, this guy knew what he was talking about. 
See, he had experiences. He didn't just eat one candy bar. Who the heck eats one candy bar? Not someone like me, but he talked about eating many, many candy bars in one sitting and feeling shame and remorse over it. You know, eating a, you know, eating a vat of ice cream with an oar, you know, with a, with a ladle. You know, I mean, those types of things and eating out of the garbage and, and all kinds of things. And, and these were the things that I was ashamed of. But I, boy, did I look good on paper. He looked pretty good on paper, too, you know. He really did. He had, uh, he had the different, uh, you know, the different degrees and, and so forth that made him look pretty good. But, but he talked about just the shame of, of what this disease, how it, um, how it just um, chipped away at his uh, self-esteem. You know, and that's what I needed to hear. That's precisely what I needed to hear before I could ever be open to some type of solution, you know. That was really important to me. And uh, so that's, that's where it starts, you know, with armed with the facts. And, and then I was more open to uh, picking up this spiritual toolkit laid at my feet um, because I was no longer skeptical, you know, and I saw that the problem had been solved in this guy this guy that was one time five, 600 pounds. Anyways, so grateful for this solution. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Barbara, I did not get your last initial, but you're next. Is there a Barbara star one? Okay, Rachel W. Hey, thank you. This is Barbara B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Thank you. Okay. Uh, How wonderful to be taken back to my first meeting many years ago and my first sponsor many years ago who has since passed on but whom I express gratitude to spiritually every day because I had reached a point with the use of food and behaviors and the unmanageability of my life where I said to a mutual friend who had pursued with me various therapists, various diet programs, various groups, various clergy people, and nothing, nothing worked against this disease, both in its physical manifestation and the mental and spiritual. So I remember at midnight calling my father over because I was alone with four children. My husband was in the business. I said, you know, I can't stand it any longer. I wish I were an alcoholic because at least they have a, a fellowship and they have a way to stop and I expressed that to the mutual friend that had struggled with behaviors and food and she searched out OA and we trekked off to our first meeting and there I was listening to ex-problem eaters, bingers, ex. They did what I did. They talked about it. They had the depression, the isolation, the binging, but they weren't doing it anymore. The X was really important for me to hear. And then when I you know, took a sponsor and spoke with her on the phone, nothing shocked her. Nothing that I did with food, with relation, nothing shocked her because she'd been there. Well, that was very different from going to a doctor, clergy person, a therapist who didn't really get it. And always, 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 she wasn't behaving that way anymore. She had a different life. She was transformed. And she used to say, you know, we can read this big book all we want, but you need to be a walking, talking big book. And that was a great inspiration. So um, I'm looking back as I, as I read these words to um, 
you know, what it was like to be brought the message, just as Ebby carried the message and as we are called to carry the message to save um, to save others and in doing so be saved. Uh, thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. And Rachel W. Good morning, Julie. This is Rachel W. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Great. Thank you. Good morning, Julie. Um, good morning, everyone. This is Rachel W., a cover compulsive reader calling from New York. Um, we talked about being properly armed with facts about ourselves. Um, you know, this program has taught me, like, the, probably the greatest fact I learned about myself is that I have a default uh, for checking out. And um, it doesn't have to mean that I'm in a dark parking lot with the food, you know, oblivious or, um, you know, something as dark as that. It could just be in, the, in, my, in my daily living, you know, here and there, just um, – this kind of, this kind of, uh, you know, mode that I have, you know, that that's my default. And so what the program has taught me is that um, I can have a way of living, you know, that, that I can be aware of that and I can um, check in, you know, I can check in with my fellows. And we talked about, you know, being rescued from that shipwreck and what it's like to survive and, and come into the fellowship. And that's not about, you know, rejoicing and then going about our lives. It's more about, um, talking about how do we survive this, you know, and, and, and how do we, you know, how do I live with this, this, uh, you know, this monster, you know, that, that, that wants me checked out, you know, how do I, how do I live with that? And one of the greatest um, facts that I was told was that I, I can die of this disease, that it's deadly. And if I don't work this program as if, as if my life depended on it, then, um, then I will die, you know, and that's a message that, um, I, I heard, you know, with compassion, you know, and I, and I do give that over with compassion, you know, someone who's recently um, been in the food and um, we, were, we were talking and, and it made me realize how much more we get out of this program. You know, when, when I, when I want to tell you how willing I am to do it, you know, I, I could, you know, it's, it's, it's very noble and it's true, um, but I get so far much more out of this process if I look at my unwillingness and, not as a way to bash myself, but as a, rather as a fact. You know, this is just what I do. And self-compassion is always the way out. And um, I have a totally new design for living today. And, um, and another fact is that the main three facts are, um, you know, I am not God. There is a God, something else, higher power, whatever you want to call it, that I do believe in that loves unconditionally. Um, and, and the third thing is I don't have to do anything alone ever. So um, I thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Rachel. And Mary B., you're next. Did you call into R? I didn't hear. Hi, this is, this is Mary, Mary B. B. Yes. And Linda, you'll be me? next. Yes, Mary B., go ahead. Okay, great. Thank you, and thank you for your service, and thanks for everyone who shared this morning. This is Mary B., from Central California, currently in Southwest Arizona. I um, I would just, uh, I love everything I've heard shared this morning, and I would just sum up this paragraph in italics, just saying it takes one to know one. And that's so true with our disease. I would never tell the truth about what I did with food to a doctor or a therapist or even my friends who were not overeaters. 
I just wouldn't tell the truth. My ex-husband, I overheard him on the phone one day telling a friend, I don't know how Mary gets fat. She never eats anything. There was a night when I had binged. My binge went so far that I really thought my stomach was going to burst. And I held the telephone in my hand to call 911. But when I thought about having to explain how I got into that condition, I knew I wouldn't call. And I went to a new doctor one time, and he was looking over my history and my condition, and he kept walking back and forth from my records and saying, you know, how old are you, and uh, what is it that you do? What is it you do? And I tried to tell him, and he said, I have patients who are going to die, and they won't lose weight. And I, it really took everything I had to say, Doc, if you told me right now that I'm going to die, I would walk out of here and go to the nearest bakery. And I must have sounded totally insane. It must really sound insane to a tall, thin doctor. But I could tell you that. And you would know and understand because you've been there. And um, anyway, um, today uh, I live a completely different life. I don't care if anybody understands. I don't ask for understanding. Even my husband today with all the history that he's had with me will say, just use your willpower. You use your, oh, you have such wonderful willpower. And that's okay. I only ask for acceptance, not understanding. And uh, I'm re- I really feel blessed today to be exactly where I am with this program. Thank you very much for the opportunity to share. Thank you, Mary B. And Linda R., you're next. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. And this is Linda R., recovered in South Florida. Um, The ex-problem drinker. I've been thinking, you know, today, instead of the ex-problem drinker, I'm the solution-seeking, I'm a solution-seeking thinker. And, um, you know, when I first came into the program many years ago, we did not have the awareness that we have today. And this is a one-day-at-a-time program. So I live today, thank you, dear God, in the present moment awareness of my day. And I was, you know, laughing to myself because what did I attract when I came in in those years? I attracted the mental obsession. I did not, I did not attract the recovered state of mind. So who came to me? Which funsies came to me? The ones that were insane. And I didn't know what was happening. I remember my first sponsee was like very, very into her mental obsession. But I didn't have that label at the time. We were strictly food, put the food down, rigidity, you know, working your program, you know, very disciplined, which I'm so grateful for today because I had gotten that core discipline in my life. So now where am I at today? Many, many years, you know, that have passed. Yesterday, I tried to get on the vision. I came in on a little late. I thought there was something wrong with my phone. My husband, I tried his, the same thing. 
there were too many people on the line. I got closed out. This is the hope of the program. So today, the other analogy I thought about is like an ex-husband. Until I could, you know, really come to terms with not wanting to be in that relationship, I had to really go through hell and back. The same thing with this disease. In order for me to be an ex-problem drinker and a solution seeker, I have to go through, you know, the the despair and dread in order to hit the bottom of step one. So today, this is a program for me of hope, sharing it, but at least I have some knowledge today as a result of the program, the steps, the higher power, of course, um, that's a given. And I just want to thank everybody because today I am living in the present moment and I can help others. Thank you. Thank you, Linda R. And Susan K. Hi, it's Suzanne Kay from New Jersey. Thank you so much, Julie, for the service and everybody who shared. So appreciate everything I heard this morning. And I want to keep this very real for me. Um, I know I was properly armed with the fact that my doctor had given me a list and a litany of all the blood tests and cholesterol was high and triglycerides are high, my percent body fat and the height weight chart. I mean, I had facts up as many facts as you want to hear. And the doctors um, said, you have to lose weight. You just have to lose weight. So if I was lucky, doctors would give me a food plan. Um, if I was lucky enough, I would, they said, go take this plan and lose weight and come back. And uh, I'd lose it, then I'd gain it back. And then the next time they told me, you know what, we have new facts for you. So here's another a fact for you that you need. This could help you. Go get surgery. I did the lap band. I did the, the gastric sleeve. All of that, all of that. I had so much information and facts. And not one time did any doctor or anyone mention a recovery program that maybe I had more than this eating problem. Uh, maybe I had some other kind of problem. Not one person in the medical community, for me at least, I'm speaking about for me, mentioned uh, however, I did go to other fellowships, and I knew that there were solutions, and I had many years um, in other fellowships, but this food thing could not get. But I realized at another fellowship that, you know what, there's an OA, there's another way, there's a way you can work under yet another, another addiction. So I went to this meeting, and I heard people talk about a solution, and they were putting food down. And... And I was amazed that they could do this. And so that the, you know, I was properly, now I was properly armed with the facts about the, the, that I could listen to somebody and, get, and I gained their confidence and they gained it in me and we can share. But the doctors in the medical community, that could never talk to them. They, they, I felt embarrassed. I felt like, I don't want to tell you what the sick things that I do. And I never shared that. But with you guys, I can share it and you don't, judge me you guys go oh I've been there done that so um for today you know um here I am uh have a I still have a lot of knowledge and still need to put down the food but I know there is a solution uh I have willingness today thank you for that I pass thank you Suzanne K and Rakesset Z you're next Rakesset Sorry about that, Julie. I had technical problems. 
Um, thank you, Julie, for your service. My name is Rakesha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in California. And, um, you know, I could only listen to an ex-problem compulsive overeater. That's the only person that would ever get through to me. The only person I could believe. The only person I could identify with. I came into this program and heard from one ex-compulsive overeater after another, after another, after another, how they ate. They ate like me. I could identify with the way they ate. And they explained that this was the only solution for them, the solution for their compulsive overeating. And that they tried everything else just like me. I came into the rooms. I hear people saying on this line that there was a fellow that said on this line that she ate 10,000 calories at a time. That was me. That was me every day, every day at least, if not more. You know, that they stole food, that I, you know, I stole food, that they left their kids to go get food. I did that. I did all the things that I heard other people do in this program. And the thing is that they had, they had come to the realization that they were powerless, powerless over compulsive overeating, powerless. And that taught me that I had to become powerless too. I had to admit down in my soul that I am powerless just like them. And not only that did they share with how they ate, they shared all the things they had tried to, to fix their problem. You know, Weight Watchers a thousand times, um, hypnotist, exercise, whatever. I had tried all those things. I was convinced that there was something else I just wasn't finding, that there was a trick something, something I had to do that I wasn't doing right, that everybody else was doing because they were thin. I really believe there was something. I just had to find it. But these people told me that they searched and searched and searched for a solution too, and they never found it until they came to the 12 steps and a relationship with God. I had to hear that. And that helped me to finally surrender. But I was just like them. I ate like them. I tried the same crazy things like them to handle my compulsive overeating, but nothing, nothing worked. And when they said this was the solution for them, I wanted it to be the solution for me. And so I did what they did. Worked for 12 steps, put my food down. Um, get a closer relationship with my higher power, with God. And that's what worked. And continue, continue, continue every single day to work this because I'm still a compulsive overeater. I'm still a compulsive overeater. I just am an ex-compulsive overeater. So thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Rakesit. And we have Melissa R. Hi, it's Melissa C. Oh, sorry, Melissa C. That's okay. Go ahead. That's okay. Thank you. Good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, family, friends, doctors, um, nobody could be useful in getting me to stop. I was unapproachable. I was defensive. I was bristly. I would be embarrassed, defiant. Uh, sometimes you would get me to cry, you know. <clears throat> but the ex-problem drinker, was able to get my attention, you know. Um, before that, it was the frothy emotional appeal was what I heard all my life. You know, Melissa, what are you doing to yourself? Look at your face. Uh, you have a beautiful face. Uh, you're going to, you know, you have a, a lovely family. You're going to leave them motherless. Um, you know, I think about those conversations and how if I were a normal person, um, 
that might have worked for me, but embarrassment, um, humiliation, pleading, that just never worked. You know, what worked? Others in the fellowship um, who had found the solution, not who were suffering to find the solution. Um, No, but those that had the solution were entirely able to win my confidence. And why is this true? Why can I feel um, confident among you here? You know, this is really the place, although my face-to-face meetings gave me something um, really useful and incredible, lots of love. I got a taste of what recovery could be. But here is where I I really got confident. And the reason I think I I got confidence here, you know, in, in that you solved this is because here the problem had been solved, not that the problem can be tolerated or endured, um, but actually solved. You know, I heard recovered. That's what I hungered for. And, um, and that's what I heard here. And so that's what I share with others. And, you know, I have to stress that it's crucial for me to reach out today to those that are still suffering, not just um, those that are getting it. You know, that's an important um, part of my program too. But I have to reach out to those that are suffering because I have a message of depth and weight and I am properly armed with facts about myself and this disease. And that's the way that I share. I tell my story, my facts. I don't diagnose, um, but I tell what I have. And then I stress if you have what I have, you can follow these steps and become recovered. And this is my life today. I am that ex-problem drinker. I can win the confidence of others so long as I continue to work my program. And um, it's my great joy and privilege. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. We have time for one share for two minutes. Who would like to share? Renata. Renata, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Julie, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Istanbul. <clears throat> but the ex-problem drinker who has found the solution. And, you know, I want to look at this uh, from a little bit different perspective. You know, for me... To become an ex-problem drinker, I had to first admit that, you know, I was a problem drinker. I had to fully concede to my innermost self that I was, you know, that I am a real compulsive reader. Because for me, that's really what dictates uh, everything, you know, um, giving, um, you know, continue to, to work on the steps and, uh, sponsor others and, um, uh, you know, live in the solution. Because if I start thinking that I don't have a problem, that maybe, you know, I just needed a diet, which I thought for the longest time. Like, I, I it was really hard for me to admit that I had a problem that I could not solve on my own, you know, that I need, that I needed help and not, like, human help. You know, human power did not work. And I I really had to be convinced of that, you know, that I have an allergy of the body, which meant that if I wanted to have uh, freedom from white-knuckling food and food calling to me, I had to put all my triggering substances down 100%. You know, I had to admit that I have a mental obsession that can only be arrested if I work a spiritual program, which are the steps. And so, you know, until I could fully conceive that, 
I could not become an ex-problem compulsive reader. You know, I first had to admit that I was a real compulsive reader and I needed help and I couldn't figure my way out. And then, you know, uh, today, all I have to do is share my story, my experience with fathers. And if they're ready, they'll grab onto it like I did when I was ready. You know, I don't need to try to convince anyone or shove it down anyone's throat. You know, I just need to to share what it, what it was like before coming to OA, before, you know, working the steps, what happened, right? Working the 12 steps and what is it like now? You know, the change, the freedom that this um, spiritual program offers me. And, you know, if the person relates to it, they'll, they'll grasp to it. You know, and with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata. I want to thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. We will now close the meeting with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Penny C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning. This is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously... You cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.